we are super popular in Belgium now. Yeah. Send us some waffles, baby. Mutiny Sports. Your sports, your way. The way it should be. To join the Mutiny Sports family, go to our Facebook page and message any of our family of Mutiny Sports pages. From NFL to NCAA, we have it all. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Mutiny Sports Podcast. This is our seventh episode under the Mutiny Sports name. Um, we welcome you back this week. I'm joined by two of our three co-hosts, other co-hosts. Um, Cole is once again out this week. He had some work issues to handle, so he'll be hopefully back with us next week. Um, I'm joined by our resident Bills and our Bills Mafia admin. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I am Josh Wilson. Uh Commissioner on the NFL page, uh, Big Bills, Sabres, Leafs, Cornell, Big Red, uh, keep getting screwed over by the NCAA uh, on the inside lacrosse rink, lacrosse rankings, but, you know, Big Red are going to win the national championship this year. You heard it here first. Morning's on Navy winning it. Hermione's always What's on that? Navy winning, it does. I don't know shit about lacrosse. I know Navy's good at <laughs> random athletes. Well, with that, Des, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? I am Des, and I'm depressed because March hates me. Well, March hates <laughs> most of us, except for those of us that are fans of the best ACC <laughs> team out there. Go and those of us are still in it. Duke hey, still those of us who uh, keep betting St. Peter's as a uh, maybe they'll win, I've gotten lucky twice hey, by them. At this point, if they give you a against the spread option, take it because St. Peter's at this point, if they lose, I'm convinced they're going to cover the spread. Um, but but that, their two wins have to impact that, right? Like you can't say they're a 21 point <laughs> underdog to whoever they play this weekend. Oh yeah, it's 100 percent skewing. The the betting line for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let me check with and see that, what the line is right now. Dude, it, with it, that, it while he's bad. doing that, I'll introduce myself. I'm Dante. I am your third co-host, one of your other founders. Um, I am a Vikings and Steelers admin, so I know nothing but pain as of the last few years. I'm also a Cubs admin, Bulls, Lakers, Blackhawks, um, Tar Heels, Huskers, Joey Logano. I know nothing but pain. Nothing but pain. Um, so yeah, sadness and depression, but we're going to uh, roll into this podcast. We'll get rolling get this thing moving along. Um, right, we're going to keep the same format we've been using, um, for the last few weeks, but first let's get this, this, uh, point spread from Josh. What is it? Uh, St. Peter's is a 12 and a half point underdog to Purdue. This is, at seven, this is at 720 on Tuesday, March 22nd. Yep. It's betting laws change. I just want to put yeah. this out there. They they do, but how does St. Peter's open as like a twelve and a half point underdog? I, I just because Vegas likes to lose money. That's why. That's fair. Um, we're gonna keep the same format we've been rolling with the last few weeks. It seems to be working for us. We're gonna start with the overreactions. I'm only gonna have one this week because it's gonna be a big talking point. Um, and then we will move on to. Uh, just Josh and with Josh, and we'll finish that up with on campus with Des and followed by our pickums for the week. Um, so we're gonna jump right into our overreactions. Uh, I only have one this week, but first, before we get into that, we have a submission from somebody who has been a longtime viewer of our page who happened to agree with one of my um overreactions from last week. That overreaction from last week, um, and I'll post the sound clip from it. Here, next overreaction is the Steelers will not only win the division with Mitchell Trubisky as our quarterback next year, <laughs> but they will make the conference. Was talking about um, Mitchell Trubisky being the head coach or the quarterback of the Steelers moving forward, and how I think the Steelers make the AFC Championship game next year. Not only win the division, but make the AFC Championship game under Mitch Trubisky. And I gave some reasons why. You can hear that in the clip that I just posted before this. But here is something from one of our fans who happens to be a Bears fan and watched Mitchell Trubisky um, play during his time in Chicago. Pardon my voice clip, but I'm driving from work right now. I just 
just got done listening to your overreaction segment, and I agree with you on your Mitchell Trubisky point, as you already know, and Des is a dumbass for trying to argue with you about it. No, so you pat yourself on the back. That is a diehard Bears fan. The, the same guy who also openly agreed that Darnell Mooney was better than Justin Jefferson. So we have to take what he says with a grain of yeah. salt. But that being said, there are Bears fans and the Bears, the same Bears fans who chased Mitchell Trubisky out of Chicago are now Bears fans who are looking at that after a year of Nagy with no Mitchell Trubisky and missing the playoffs for the first time in two years. Because Mitchell Trubisky made back-to-back playoffs. You look at this situation and you're like, they're looking at the Mitchell Trubisky situation and they're like, oh, was it Mitch or was it Nagy? And then we've got Josh, who's a Bills fan, who kind of got to watch Mitchell Trubisky ball out, not only in the preseason, but he played two or three games. He he started at least one game for y'all, didn't he? Uh... He started the end of the week 17 I, or week 18 game. I know he played some at the end of the season so that Josh wouldn't get hurt. And yeah, then but, he got some snaps towards the end of that blowout win against New England in the, in playoffs. the playoffs. But I think he played week 18. He started week 18 because you guys had already clinched all of your everything you could in the playoffs, correct? Like you I were at a spot where think, you couldn't move up. I'm pretty sure he played week 18. Let I me look that so. up. But either way, my point um, there is that he you, – you've got these fans from two different teams where um, – oh, maybe he didn't start any games for you guys last year. He only had 43 yards and 75% completion. Um, okay. But let's look at his numbers under Matt Nagy, right? So 2018, Ryan Pace is calling the plays. As the offensive coordinator, 66.6% for completion percentage, 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, a 95 passer rating. 2019, Ryan Pace still calling the place. 3,100 yards, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Touchdowns went down a little bit. Interceptions went down as well. His passer rating dropped to 83% on 63% completion. 2020, 67% completion, 2,000 yards passing, 16 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 93% 93% passer rating. Do you want to know who was calling the plays in 2020? Matt Nagy. You you put Mitchell Trubisky in a position where an offense fits him, the Ryan Pace offense, that was a offense set up for long balls downfield, and you give him the ability to... um kind of run his own offense, run the offense, excel in a a system that works for him. And he puts up 3,000 yards and, or he puts up 6,000 yards, 6,300 yards and 41 touchdowns over two seasons, which isn't superstar numbers, but they're serviceable quarterback numbers, right? With guys who aren't exactly stud wide receivers, as well as the fact that he was top five in passer rating both of those years under Ryan Pace. Then you bring him in. He's still top five in passer rating in 2020 under Matt Nagy, but his passes per or his yards per attempt are down. His average depth of target is almost half. He's still throwing for 16 touchdowns. He threw for less interceptions and he has a higher completion percentage, but he's not throwing anywhere downfield. You can't move an offense when your average depth of target is four yards. You figure that 67%, one out of every three passes was dropped. That means on first down, he threw for four yards. On second down, he threw for four yards. That brings up third and two. He throws an incompletion on third down. Now it's fourth and two and you're punting. That was the average if he threw all three downs of an offensive series. So that's why when you look at Mitch Trubisky, you have to look deeper than just Mitch Trubisky. But in an effort, or you have to look deeper than just their win-loss percentage in Chicago because Matt Nagy definitely skews that but in an effort to not get hung up on that i'm going to move on to my one weekly overreaction for this week because it's a big one it's going to create some talking points and we want to move through this quickly um 
my overreaction for this week regards one of the most beloved front office members of the Cubs and Red Sox of all time. The man who was responsible for breaking two World Series droughts, the one in Boston and the 108-year one in Chicago, um, the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs until 2020, Theo Epstein. And here it is. Theo Epstein is not as good as people believe he is and should not be the favorite to land the commissioner job if it were to come open. Here's why. Theo Epstein, while great and undoubtedly elite for having ended those two World Series runs, is willing to mortgage the future of a team in an effort to win one, maybe two World Series. In his time in Boston, he only won one World Series. The 2013 one was not with him there. You can arguably say that he built that team, but he was not there for that. That was somebody else's World Series ring. He got one in Chicago in 2016. The Cubs have been on a terrific, like an absolutely horrific downhill spiral ever since. They've made the playoffs only three times in the last, or since that World Series, 2017, 18, and 20. They are looking to be in another complete rebuild, not just five years, five seasons removed from their World Series win. And you look at the pieces we had and where they're, how they're excelling elsewhere. Kyle Schwarber is now a stud uh, who is playing in Philly and making crazy money. You've got um, Eloy Jimenez, who is in Detroit, playing really well out there. You've got a couple of studs that we traded across town to um, Eloy Jimenez is in Chicago. Actually, thank you very much. I messed that one up. He's excelling over there. Um, you've got uh, that kid that just their pitcher that just um, came up last year and is really good. Um, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but he he was a rookie pitcher last year. He's really good um, through pretty good season last year. Um, you've got these pieces that have been spread out all over across the league that have come from the Cubs. The Cubs basically became the farm system for everybody else. And for guys that we would trade for, for four months or four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, whatever was left in the regular season. So I guess about eight weeks and then the postseason, And then they'd either go back to their own team or they'd go sign a max contract somewhere else. Um, I mean, uh, Aroldis Chapman, we signed, we traded away huge pieces for him. Glaber Torres, a couple other minor league guys, we had him for the World Series run. He won us a World Series, and then he went back to New York. And he signed less money than what we offered him because they just don't want to continue to play in Chicago. And it just there, – there was something wrong with the environment in the front office. And I don't know if that falls on the Ricketts family, but I feel like at some point it becomes too easy for us to blame the Ricketts and we start to blame the owners, the ownership, and we stop putting the accountability in places where it belongs. And I think the fact that it took as long as it did for us to move on from Joe Madden makes it so that players didn't exactly want to stay in Chicago. I mean, it, it wasn't a secret that at the end of the 2019 or the end of the 2018 season, Joe Madden was starting to lose that locker room. And they waited till the end of the 2019 season to fire him when he lost that locker room in early August. If you fire him and you appoint your bench coach as the interim manager, I think that locker room galvanizes around him. They kind of um, start to unite again a little bit. And we go on a much more significant run through September, make the playoffs, and it's a different story. And I think Theo Epstein's still a Cub. But I think at some point you have to look at, did Theo Epstein leave under his own volition or was it kind of a, hey, listen, the culture you're building here is no longer what we want in Chicago. It's time for you to move on. We are willing to make a split with you but or make it publicly look like a mutual split. But in reality, he got fired, and that was um, just what they used to cover it up. So my overreaction here is that Theo Epstein is not as great as everybody thinks he is. So go ahead and react. I don't know what you guys know of or think of Theo Epstein, but what you got? I think this is an overreaction. Um, I, I don't. I can't blame him for the Cubs' lack of success. I think the Cubs are just an incompetent franchise. 
Um, one World Series in 108 years doesn't scream competence. Uh, it, it's not a Theo Epstein thing. It's a Chicago Cubs type of thing. They're just a cursed organization that just happened to put the right pieces for just the right amount of time. Um, Boston, do they, they, they've been doing this for years. They're, they're a streaky team. Like they'll they'll go years where they lose 100 games and the next year they make the playoffs and then the year after that they'll win the whole damn thing. So I can't say this This is on you know, Theo. This is just how these organizations have ran and the what, 150 something, like the 150 years of their existence. Like the, these organizations have been around since the, well, the Red Sox came around like I think 1901, 1909, in that range. But still, well over 100 year old organizations and they they've done this an entire time so i i can't blame one man for a team being streaky like they are no yeah i completely agree with that both teams are very streaky teams they have periods of success the cubs and red sox both through the uh 70s and 80s and 90s had periods where they were good and even into the early 2000s but it never really amounted to a world series until theo epstein came in and put what what's that? Except for Boston when they won in what, uh, they won it in 04, yeah. But I'm thinking like the 01, 02, 03 seasons where both teams were kind of at the top of their division pretty consistently. They were right there on the doorstep and just never could quite get over that hump. Boston did it in 04. It took the Cubs another 12 years. But it, it for Boston, it took Theo coming in. For the it Cubs, it took Theo coming in. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, the inconsistency is a thing, like the inconsistency for both teams is very much a reality through that period where they got close through the seventies, eighties, nineties, Theo came into Boston in the, in Oh four, won it for them. Um, Theo came into Chicago in 2011, ended up winning them a world series by 2016. I mean, yeah. So you've got to take into account that incons or that inconsistency of those teams. And Theo is the guy that finally got them over the hump, but how many of those pieces were already there before Theo in Boston? I mean, Theo came in. And Except Boston won that World Boston, Series. Boston's what, what, three or four since 04? Two. Three. Three since 04. 04, 11, or 04, 13, and 2018. Okay. They, uh, they won in 07, too, okay. didn't they? Yeah. Beat the Rockies. No. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure they won the mid-2000s as well. Okay, so he has two World Series rings through there. Yeah, you're right. 07, 04, 07, 13. Or was 07 so, their first? So 04 no, was their first. Was their first. 04 was their first. Okay. So, yeah. So, he did win two in Boston. So, that shows but, that he can build. But then, between 07 and 13, they didn't do anything. They consistently made the playoffs. They won their division, I think, twice. I think they yeah, had but, two or three. But they, they just, it was like, they kind of stumbled down the stretch and then fell apart in October. It, it's yeah, a but, pretty consistent story for Theo Epstein. Unless he wins the World Series, you stumble down the stretch and fall apart in October. And yeah, I mean, I, but I mean, the, the thing, same thing could be said though about uh, Friedman and the Dodgers. Like, they're not necessarily talking about down the stretch, but collapsing in October. And uh, Friedman is considered one of the best GMs in the league. But at what point do you start to analyze that and realize, like, Houston? 
LA, Jesus. but not even start or falling apart in October. They made the World Series how many times in the last six years? Three. LA's right there all the time. They're either in the NLCS or they're in the World Series constantly but, uh, since 2016. But we all know the Dodgers get shit on all the time for not, not completing. Yeah, but that's that's completely it different seems than like, though, missing it's... the that's that's completely different than completely missing the World Series three years or missing the playoffs three years after you win the World Series. Like that would be like, like the with... Dodgers. That'd be like the Dodgers sitting here not this season but next season just completely missing the playoffs. It seems like Theo either wins the World Series or misses the playoffs by twenty games. But, but as the same thing though, we're looking at him as a commissioner, not a GM anymore. But but that's I my problem. That's my problem. He's not building a team in the MLB. No, that's he's illegal. building a whole league. He's trying to save an entire game. And I think something he's the that right Manfred has destroyed. Are we sure that Theo Epstein is the guy to come yes, in and fix Theo that Epstein, problem? Theo Epstein genuinely loves baseball. I I, I agree. I, he genuinely loves baseball. To, I would trust him in that role. But and my honestly, but the biggest part of my overreaction. The biggest part of my overreaction was that I think we we give him more credit than he deserves. Not so much. I just touched on the I, I touched on the commission or the commissioner thing just so that we it was there. But the, my biggest part of my overreaction is we give him more credit than he deserves. Um, the and that he broke he broke curses for two historic franchises. I mean, that's, I think that's enough to say. Yeah, he he may know what he's doing. You don't have to win the World Series every. You don't have to make the playoffs every year. Because there are times where he, he traded away talent and got young talent, and that takes a little bit of time to develop. Look at Detroit I mean, right now. He had the best Cubs team in history in 2016. 2017, the fall apart, the collapse began. 2018, the collapse continued even further as we blew a lead on the division and ended up um, losing the tiebreaker to the brewers and then two days later losing to the rockies in the wild card and then in 2019 we collapsed completely and missed the playoffs the the idea that you go from the winningest cubs team in history to missing the playoffs three years later what is that's back up in the room i mean it just I, I was saying um, you go from having the winningest Cubs team in history, they broke the wins record that year, then follow that up with you barely win the division and struggle in 2017, <laughs> losing the that. NLCS to the Dodgers, um, and, and we got swept by y'all. Then you proceed, like, that, that, that Dodgers team was historically good. Historically good, yes. I mean, think but about it. we should have been Dodgers swept team. by y'all the year after winning a World Series. Yes, you should. Because think about it. that Dodgers team, dude. Literally lost twenty out of, of um, I think twenty five games, in um, between the All Star break and the end of August, and still won the had the best record in the league by like, six games. Yeah, I so suppose. that was a historically dominant Dodgers team. But even so, we got swept by them. In 2017, a year removed from a World Series, we proceeded to lose a division lead in September to the Brewers in 2018. Then we would lose the tiebreaker game, game 163 to them. Two days later, we would get beat by the terrible Rockies. And then in 2019, we collapsed down the stretch and completely missed the the playoffs, which would lead to Joe Madden being fired in Chicago. I just, how do you go from the winningest Cubs team in history to three years later not even making the playoffs? Because you bet all your chips and you lost. You won quickly. You got the temporary glory of being a World Series champion. You gave Chicago exactly what they needed. And that was it. That's that's what he was running to do. He was brought in to break the curse, and he did exactly that. I just yeah, I fear I mean, that in the process he instilled another curse and this okay, this what, franchise what is gonna be have? fucked. What would you rather have? Another hundred and eight years without a World Series or one World Series and then mediocre for you know however long? I, I, the thing is we never like 
we never even sniffed the World Series again after that. I would like to at least be competitive. But you haven't sniffed the World Series since, what, the fucking 90s, 80s? Since 1945. Yeah. the last time we made the World Series. But right. 2015, um... You were there. You were in the NLCS. Lost to the Mets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, even in 2017, we lost to the Dodgers, but we didn't even get close in either of those series. We got swept in both of them. But you were there. I, I mean, yeah. You, but... you, were there. you didn't pull a Braves. You didn't choke a 3-1 lead. That, that, well, that's fair, yes. And I guess it, it in just... 2003, they almost made the World Series if it wasn't for a Steve Bartman catch. Yeah. So, I mean, a decade and a half. You, you I, gotta, I just you, you gotta be happy with that. It, uh, no, it's I mean, baseball. It's you know you the Mets them. made the World Series in 2015 and haven't been close to being back. 2006, they were in the NLCS. Like, don't don't and look at the Dodgers. And started you know shit in the bed. You, you can't look at a team like the Dodgers as the example because they they have the money to keep the talent going and they've got a good farm system going. You can't look at us as the, as the example. Look at the look at Cleveland, dude. They were even worse off than the Cubs. Something that, and here's another thing, another mark against Theo. And I sent this to my brother the other day, and so I'm just gonna read this message real quick. Something I appreciate about Jed, that he, Jed Hoyer, that Theo Epstein never really did was make sure we have depth. We're in a situation where even if we get some injuries midseason, we're not screwed. We have serviceable guys to carry us over if this Cubs team, for some reason, goes on one wild stretch and is competing come August. We have guys that can keep us healthy and can help us continue to compete into September. That, that was a big problem on Theo Epstein's team, was star-studded with no real depth. Ben Zobris was your biggest depth piece, and he was your everyday starter at second base. For that 2016 World Series run, 2017 and 2015, or not 2015, he was with the the um, Royals in 2015. You you can't blame the the Rockies or the you can't blame the Cubs for being mediocre. Or you can't or you can't blame Theo Epstein for the Cubs being mediocre because it's a lot like Tampa, except different because your owners are cheap. The, the Rays don't have the ability to spend money. That's the reason they're made. I mean, they were mediocre, but they found a way to win. Um, the Cubs just don't want to spend the money to field a competent team. I think that's more so on whoever is in charge of the finances. If it's, I know you say the Ricketts own it, but like, are they? It's, they really it's the dumbass money? family, the dumbass Ricketts family that just landed in London to buy FC Chelsea. They've been crying broke for four years and can't, but can afford to buy a freaking soccer team. Yeah, so I mean, I think I think at the end of the day is your ownership. It's not, it's not who your GM who your GM is. Like, it's just I the, suppose that's fair. It's just it's frustrating to watch how quickly we collapsed after 2016. Yeah, but I mean, dude, look, there, there's been worse examples of it. The Royals, uh, they they got a. World Series and Oscar oh, fuck the fault. Royals. Sorry, Josh. Oh, I you really Sorry. I... That, that was just like, the best example I could think of. Or, or that, I know. I mean, that is my new text tone, by the way. Josh, oh, fuck the Royals. That is my new text tone. I'm clipping that and I'm making that a text tone. I mean, they got me twice that year because they beat the Blue Jays in games. I think the ALCS, it went either six or seven games. And they screwed us over by that Amish looking motherfucker pulling the home run over the. You might want to edit that part out. We'll get kicked off Spotify again. But, <laughs> you know, pulling that home run over the wall in his hat. And then they beat the Mets in the World Series. Oh. Look at. That was a rough year. Cleveland is a lot worse off than anything. Like, the Cubs beat them so bad. They, after that 3 1 lead. They've not. They've made it to the playoffs once since and had an entire name change. <laughs> yeah, at least we're not Cleveland, I suppose. Or Kansas City. That's also uh, fair. Or the Yankees. They have the world. They have the world's longest World Series drought or um, World Series hangover. Yeah, since on what oh nine. Oh nine. So, 
The Cubs are just a normal fucking team, dude. Like the Dodgers are just an anomaly. The Astros, the Astros are cheaters. Yeah, they've been a fifth trash cans in a week division. Yeah. So you, you can't get pissed at Theo because the Cubs are an average team. Baseball is arguably the hardest sport to win a world to win a championship. In. You could argue hockey along along the lines of that as well. Yeah, that's true. You very rarely see a repeat winner in baseball. Yeah, when was the last time it happened? The Yankees, when they won three straight in the early 2000s, I believe. Like 98, 99, and 2000? Yeah. So it's been almost 30 years. Well, early, like tw- over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Since... No, I, I definitely agree. It's hard to repeat. Um, and it's hard to even win two in five years. Especially it, it, as it, of late. The only yeah. team that there hasn't been a team that's won two in five years in the last decade. Yeah, because I mean it, we finally reached beyond the Giants even year magic. Yeah, they won three and six. That was Thirteen cool would have been t- the third once opening day happens. Well, I guess since technically ten years ago, it still includes the twenty twelve season. Um, the do- the Giants are the only two are the only team that's won two in five years at any point in the last decade. They're the so, only team with multiple in the last decade. Oh, no. The Red Sox, 13 and 18. Yeah. But that was still six years, six seasons apart. Yeah. It's a hard sport to win. Uh, it's a hard sport to be streaky when it comes to championships. Yeah. That's what makes it interesting. That's, that's what makes it one of my favorite, like, hands up, my favorite sport to watch. Especially, like, postseason baseball is unmatched. I know hockey fans are going to give me shit for it. But, but I would hockey, really, I, I, hockey doesn't have... You can't erase a four-run deficit in the bottom of the ninth in hockey. Exactly. You can do that in baseball, and it's ha- it happens in the postseason all the time. That's the thing with baseball is you can't get four scores in one play in any other sport. But with baseball, you can, and that's uh, huge. Yeah. Boy, man. Six points. You can't get four scores. I'm talking like four possessions. Worth oh, right, four yeah, scores fair. worth of points, you know. Yeah, oh, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, so it's and, and but other thing with baseball is like you have to give every man their chance. You can't just need need it or keep the ball away from somebody. Yeah, you, you've got to. Right, you have to get twenty seven outs. An eleven yeah. run lead is not safe, even if you have twenty six outs. Like that is something that I, I think people miss is it's just because you have 26 outs and you're up by 11 doesn't mean you're out of the woods. Like you're, you're not safe until 27 outs of 27 outs are recorded. Brave center. So, Brave center has figured this out because Kenley Jensen is now their closer. Ah, yes. When I was, <laughs> when I was in college, I kept the scorebook for the baseball team and in junior college division three, if after the fifth inning, I think if you're losing by more than 10, the game's over. It's a mercy mm-hmm. rule. So we were playing a game one day and we were losing by 13, headed into the bottom of the fifth. The other team pulled all their starters. And I'll be damned if we didn't score 12 runs and tie that game in the fifth inning. And we ended up, we still lost, but it was a close game and win all seven innings when it looked like they were going to shut us out in five. That's one of the things I love about baseball. It's not over till it's over. Well, let's think back to the 2018 season when the Cubs um, had, the, it was snowing. They were playing Atlanta and Wrigley. They were down, I think, 12. And all of a sudden, the Cubs in the seventh or sixth inning, they score five. In the seventh inning, they score four. In the third inning or the eighth inning, they score four. And all of a sudden, they've got a lead. Then in the ninth inning, they go on a run or they go on a tear and they lock it up, win the game. And so no lead is safe in baseball. And so you have to play um, all nine innings, all 27 outs. And so that that is does makes a fair point that baseball is one of those that it's hard to get streaky in. So maybe, I mean, maybe I'm a little harsh on Theo. I just, 
I look at his time in Chicago and I'm thankful for the one world series, but I, I, I often think about what could have been had we not mortgaged our entire future and waited till 2017 for our world series. I just feel like if you didn't mortgage it, you were never, you weren't going to see a world series. Yeah. I think that was a risk you needed to take. Yeah. I'm just over this rebuild every seven years bullshit as a Cubs fan, but. Well, you're used to it as a Nebraska fan. No, Nebraska fans aren't used to it either. Through the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, they were one of the better college teams constantly. And then. If you're not used to it now, then you're pitiful. Zero is a UT fan. We've been. Tennessee and Nebraska are the same fucking teams. We're the same fucking yeah. programs. And I'm used to it at this point. I think next year, Nebraska realistically is where Tennessee was at this last season. And then the yeah. season following will be where you guys end up this season. And then uh, realistically, the Huskers are about four years away from national championship contention. If we continue on the trend we're, to- we're heading towards. If Scott Frost gets fired, we're about 15 we years. We've got the crowd to Tony. It's just not like a fucking recharge. Uh, Josh, you're, you're <laughs> second. What's Josh up? Folks? Josh, let's go ahead and do just Josh and go ahead. All right. So my topic tonight is uh, March Madness uh, started last weekend. A lot of upsets, uh, particularly with St. Peter's. It just, I love March. I mean, the magic of some school you've never heard of from Jersey City, New Jersey, knocking off Kentucky, and then who did they beat in the second one? UCLA? Uh, no, Murray State. Another team. Murray from Kentucky. State. Okay. Yeah, they went two and zero against the state of Kentucky this weekend. Nice, but you know, it just and I remember. What was it, 2013 when Florida Gulf Coast went on their big run? Elk City. On the day, like, to the day it started. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, what a magical, I just, I love March. Um, I'm trying to pull up my app to see what other big ones there were, but. Oh, uh, there's a couple. Um, yeah, I mean, there was. So there was also uh shit, where is it? Oh. They were lost. Um they were New Mexico the... State over Yukon, which I believe yeah. one of us called last week. I think it was you actually. It was. That's what why I said have? it like that. Uh New Mexico State over Connecticut. Oh yeah. I called you crazy last week. I apologize. Yeah, same. That's all right. Um, Richmond, Richmond beat Iowa. North Carolina beat the number one seed. Yeah, they didn't. Yep. Yes, they did. Iowa State. Iowa was there. North Carolina beat. Yeah, that's right. They went to. Yeah. yeah, I mean Iowa State's going to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, that was another see, big one. I didn't see the Sweet Sixteen for them. I saw the round of thirty-two for sure, but not Sweet Sixteen. Right. Miami. Uh, Miami is the 10 seed. They just beat the crap out of Auburn. Good. Fuck Auburn. So, you know, there was, there were a few big ones. And even, like, I mean, Gonzaga, even though their game against Georgia State turned into a blowout with six minutes to go in that game, it was a one-possession game. So, yeah, there, I mean, there, I mean, even the games that, um, you know, the higher seed won, there were still quite a few close games. Like, I think Nova put out, put out a close one, Gonzaga put out a close one against Memphis. Vermont only uh, lost by four points to Arkansas. Uh, Illinois scraped by Chat, which I think Illinois ended up losing, didn't they? The next game? Oh. Uh, that was a dream. Yeah, they lost. They got blown out to Houston. Yeah, that's right. Houston, Houston struggled, if I'm not mistaken. In the round What's before. that? I'm pretty sure Houston struggled in the in the first round too. Uh, I could be wrong. 
Houston, where are they? They no, they killed UAB. Oh. Fourteen points. Oh, yeah. But it was a much closer game than that, like midway through the second. Okay. Sure. Um, Gonzaga, uh, Gonzaga was struggling 16. with the one seed or the 16 seed. Uh, who, the Davidson they played. Uh, Georgia State. They trailed Georgia State midway through the second. That they did. Right. And then they went on a tear. Georgia State or Georgia State just ran out of bench depth. I mean, when you don't have that many scholarships on the yeah. on your team, you run out of bench depth that's solid that you feel confident playing against the one seed in the nation, and. It, it, it gave Gonzaga that chance to run away, but Gonzaga's not a good team. They are not one seed worthy for sure. Right. Yeah, I'm honestly I'm tired of Gonzaga. Like it seems like every year they're this high seed, and then because they're playing a garbage ass conference. Right. Yeah, I mean. And who else other than St. Mary's is consistently good in that conference? I mean, I know San Francisco had a good team this year, but... But not good enough to compete with Gonzaga. I mean, they need... Like like Des said, they need to join a real conference. Right. They need to have been part of that Big 12 merger if they wanted to do anything. Because they're only... They don't even have... I don't think they support football. Like... I think a, a good conference for them would be the Mountain West, because you know Boise State's solid, San Diego State is, is a solid uh, school. Hawaii's, well, then do what um Notre Dame does. Yeah, and sign an agreement with a big school for for basketball. Yeah, because Notre yeah, Dame's they, not not affiliated for football, but they have an agreement for basketball that they're part of the ACC. Yeah. Every other sport. Right, lacrosse and basketball, they're ACC, just like and baseball. that, they were lacrosse and basketball yeah. in the Big East. And in hockey, they're, I think they're Big Ten in hockey. Okay. They're independent in hockey. Oh, they're, I, they're, they're, I don't they're think big they're Big Ten. Ten. They're Big Ten in something. Maybe it is hockey then. I didn't think it was, but I think. I need to start watching more college hockey. Cornell's pretty good in that, too, and. I need to bite the bullet. To of course, start Cornell is good at sports that Cornell. nobody cares about. Makes sense. Cornell is good in sports that minorities don't play because they're very white. Yeah, Dante. <laughs> hey, the one thing we can all agree on, or we can both agree on, is fuck Duke. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think we can all agree on that. I, I was very shocked that Duke made it out of the second round, but they almost did it. I know I had some money on that game as well. I think <laughs> I think this week is the end for both ACC teams. Love North Carolina. We're not beating UCLA. Um, and I hate Duke, and I choose to believe that they won't be. They will not beat. Um, who do they play? They play a better team than North Carolina does. Oh, I just had that up too. Arizona, maybe no. No, Arizona's in the clue different argument. Duke plays play? Texas Tech. That's right. Yeah. I don't think they beat Texas Tech. I've also know. been telling y'all all year long that Texas Tech is the best or is the second best Big 12 school behind Kansas. Um, I think Des has agreed with me for the most part. I don't think yeah. any of us disagreed that Baylor was not the second best Big 12 school. I, I, think, I went as far as saying that Texas Tech is the best school in the Big 12. Or best team I, in the Big 12. I, I think that's also a very real possibility. I'm done making picks on that. I, I would, my final four garbage. I give up. I hate everything. It's on to baseball season. All right. So since our conversation with just Josh should fit so well, Des, we're going to go ahead and head to on campus with Des. What do you got? Well, welcome back to another week of on campus with Des, powered by Mutant Sports. Uh, this week I'm doing a little bit different, uh, just because I only got really one topic I wanted to discuss it last week. And we ran out of time. So this is going to be kind of like Dante's overreaction. And this one's going to... People aren't necessarily going to agree with me on this. I think the transfer portal is the best thing that could happen to college athletics. And let me tell you what. When, you know, each year, 
a school is awarded so many scholarships. Now that varies on a, a numerous like a ton of things. You know, before the school, what what do you have? It? So I'm gonna use football as this example. I know we're talking about baseball, but football is a little bit easier to a little bit easier for the numbers. And football is the sport where we see the most where we see the biggest issue. And what I'm trying to what I'm about to get into. So let's say every year the uh, school gets twenty scholarships to hand out. They're using, or we'll go with 25. I like those numbers better. Let's say each year a school gets is given 25 scholarships to give out to high school students, anyone who they are interested in having on the team, walk-ons, what you have it. The way schools are going to be starting it now is we're going to have, or we're going to have schools only offer 18 scholarships to these high school players. And the other was was it the other seven are going to be used for transfers. Yep. So what we're going to see start seeing more and more of is these four or five star recruits. There, there's no longer a spot for them on these teams on these big time programs because they're trying to get these already proven studs from these smaller schools, these smaller conferences to these to these powerhouse schools. And what that's going to do is it's going to cause these four, three, four, five-star athletes to go to these mid-majors and these small schools because they know they're going to be a starter right away. And that scholarship is available. And we're about to start seeing a lot more upsets in college sports. You see it a lot in baseball. You see it a lot in basketball. But football is where we're really about to start seeing it. We, I mean, we've already started to see it this year. Cincinnati made the playoffs. You look over to baseball, I, um, the number one team in the country, which is bullshit, by the way, Ole Miss. I, I think they lost to like Southeast Louisiana or Southeast um, Mississippi or Missouri, some shit, some bull, bullshit school like that, a couple weeks ago. You you start. We're gonna start seeing more upsets from these little bitty schools that nobody's heard of because all this talent. There, there's nowhere for them to go except for these majors at this point. Because like I said, a coach, and I, and I wish we had a coach on here tonight. I, I really wish he did. He could tell me if I'm right or wrong with this. But a coach is going to take a guy who is a three-star athlete in college, or coming out of high school, but proving that he's solid, you know, in the AAC, which is, a, you know, the, prim- the premier group of five conference. Or even the uh, Sun Belt. Like if if you're putting up monster numbers, and and we, and we see this all the time, especially in the draft and you know further on into the NFL, that stars don't really matter coming out of high school. So with players being able to transfer freely and taking up scholarships on these big time rosters, I, I really like the way football is going. I like the way college sports are going. I, I know it sucks when your team loses a star player or loses a player in general to go to another school. But overall, I think it's healthy for the game. Is that okay. are you ready for reactions or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm um, I would have to agree, and here's why. You look at um schools like Nebraska for football. Um where guys that they targeted in recruitment recruiting who ended up going somewhere else because they either weren't going to get a scholarship Casey Thompson um they were felt they were in a better position somewhere else um Kool-Aid McKinstry heading to LSU um they wanted to play for a specific coach also Kool-Aid McKinstry heading to LSU then tr- moving back to Nebraska after finding out that uh Mickey Joseph was going to be our new wide receivers coach um, things like that that you watched happen, right? Like, like Casey Thompson moved or came to Nebraska after Nebraska had been in on him during his recruiting period. Um, he went somewhere where he thought he had better shot at starting. Adrian Mar- Martinez was pretty well locked in as our starting quarterback. He enters the transfer portal. Casey Thompson sees that opening. He's not happy in Texas. He was benched midway through last season. Bam, he jumps on that, right? He heads to um, Nebraska and he is pretty much locked as our starting quarterback for next season. 
Um, everybody expects him to start the spring game in two weeks. Um, it, it's He's pretty much a lock at this point to be our starting quarterback. You've got Kool-Aid McKinstry, who went to LSU and was locked in over there. And then um, Greg or uh, Mickey Joseph comes to Nebraska as our wide receivers coach, and all of a sudden he's following him because that's the guy he wanted to be coached by. Um, and why wouldn't you want to be coached by the guy that created Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase? Probably two of who, who two guys who have potential to go down as the two best wide receivers to ever play the game if they continue on the tear they're on currently. Um, the transfer portal opens up those opportunities for you to go and stay with the coaching staff, right? LSU was likely going to move on from most of their coaching staff after this season. Mickey Joseph saw that. He went to Nebraska. McKinstry went to LSU specifically to play for him. So why would you not follow him? And so the transfer portal gives you the opportunity to continue to stay with the coach that is, that is training you, that is helping you, that has developed you into who you are, all while not losing a season. Because like the, the transfer portal rules being more open have provided it so you don't have to lose a season when you transfer anymore. Like There was a point in time where you lost, a, like you had to sit out a season. You didn't lose a season of eligibility, but you had to sit out a season. It was only for What's that? That was only for undergrads and uh, tra- conference transfers. Yeah, so if but now that doesn't exist. Like that very, like it, it, they're, you're hard pressed to find a case where they're going to make you sit out a year. Yeah. And so when you look at that, you um, you start to realize that. Everybody's like, it's it's college free agency. No, it's not. It's really not. Because there's still rules you have to meet when you transfer. And so it, all it's doing is creating a better environment for the sport to succeed. It's creating this ability for players to develop into who they want to be as a player while getting putting themselves in the situation they feel is best for them and getting to be with the coach that they want to be with. How often do you see... Um, teams land a five-star like last year um, Auburn landed a five-star wide receiver Gus Malzahn got fired not even six months after he committed so the yeah. fact that what's that does oh, I was just agreeing with you the, the fact that he was able to then transfer out and I don't know if he followed Gus Malzahn or if he went to another power five but he got to leave and that's important. I mean, look at Oklahoma and USC. Like half of the guys that Oklahoma committed or that committed Oklahoma left and went to USC after. Yeah, that were out. that were on the Oklahoma roster last season. Yeah. And now basically it's University no, of Southern Oklahoma at this point. Like it's no, no longer it, California. It, and it sucks for you know big going from one big school to the, another. But the thing I was really, you know, trying to hone in on is the fact that you're only given so many scholarships a year. And that's leaving these big time players to go to other schools. Yeah. So the number one corner, the number one player in this last year's in this year's recruiting class just committed to uh, um, Jackson State. He, he, no, he didn't. He committed to Barstool. He committed to where? But, he committed to Barnes School. Let's be real. He didn't commit to. He didn't go to Jackson State because Jackson State's got a culture. He went there because Barnes School offered him a shit. I'm just saying, Deion Sanders. I mean, yeah, I, that's they're not the example I was looking at because I never wonder who's going to go wherever he wants. Yeah, I like, I thought like if, you know the number 52 recruit in the nation is going to go can is now a is now more likely to go to a school like Houston or BYU, well, not BYU. Like Syracuse media brings up the transfer protocol all the time now. Like, I think it's going to be good for the Syracuse football team. I, uh, it's going to be good for all these, like, the mid-majors that have kind of been middling the last few years. I mean, Cincinnati, look at how Cincinnati has right. benefited from Cincinnati. it. Cincinnati. This and I realize Syracuse really is the mid-major, but you know they're kind of they've been mid-level in the in, ACC in football for quite yeah. a while. In football terms, they are. I think like you, you got your mid-majors. 
you you have your true mid majors who are like in these small conferences, and then you have like teams that are okay. Power five mid majors, right? Nebraska, yeah. Syracuse, North Carolina, NC State. Oh, um, I because Nebraska still a blue blood. As much as they're shit, they're still a blue blood. That's fair. They're not far enough removed from their success to consider yeah. them out. And at but any I mean, point, at any point, they could land one or two five star recruits and be right back in it. Exactly. Like. I'm more so looking at schools like, you know, Texas Tech, um, shit, um, South Carolina, Syracuse, um, Iowa, you know, schools like the, Utah. Utah is a great example of that. And it's Syracuse, also allowing, much it's like also, Nebraska, used to be really good. It's also allowing, the transfer portal also allows, um, like Spencer Rattler, Jalen Hurts, guys who were benched um, in their junior years to then go somewhere else for their senior year and have a legitimate shot. It's because right. Spencer Rattler Spencer Rattler and Jalen Hurts are two different stories. But yeah, I get the point. But yeah, um, and we could talk about this all day. Um, I. I I just don't, like this. This is going to cause some controversy because I know a lot of people don't like what transfer portal is, and it's especially a lot of old heads. Uh, and and I, and I get that. I, mean, I, I thoroughly understand it, especially like last last year when Tennessee literally had more players transfer out than any other school in the country. So at this point, I'd like to open up an opportunity for our viewers to chime in on this conversation. We played um a clip from a viewer from this week. So go ahead and if you have something to say, either message one of the Mutiny Sports pages at NCAA Mutiny Sports, NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, or NASCAR, one of those pages, or you could email us at... Um, we'll answer that later. I'll, I'll create an email tonight. Yeah, because um, we, we're still under underdog sports, even though we're the only ones with that login now. Um, and that's what our podcast is linked to. I need to create another email regardless. I'll do that uh, tonight. All righty. Um, but go ahead and email us at, I'll leave a blank here to put this in. Uh, um, or uh, go ahead and. Wait, um, go, we can go and say it now. It's, uh, it's going to be under uh, official uh, uni sports. All right. So just mutiny sports at gmail.com. All right. So if you guys want to be part of the conversation and um, join us, like we had one of our guests uh, from or one of our viewers from last week join the conversation this week by sending in a submission. Um, either message one of the family of Mutiny Sports pages or email us email us at officially mutiny sports at gmail dot com. No, that no, will be um, what official no official. Oh, sorry, at official. J- just at official mutiny sports at gmail.com we will put that in the uh podcast description as well so if you want to um see that that'll be below in the description here um but go ahead and send a submission give us um your feedback on what you think of the transfer portal what you think of the theo epstein situation or just your feelings about march madness this will be an every week thing where you guys can give us feedback and we'd like to hear it um as well des is that all we've got for this segment that's all I've got for this week. Um, next week I'll dive into something else, but I think this week I, I, I want to talk about it last week. We ran out of time. Uh, I feel like it was something that can get everyone talking. It, it absolutely is. It's, it's it's one of those controversial topics that I mean, you just got to look at everything. And so, um, but with that, let's head into our pickums. We're going to continue to roll with our pickums the exact same uh, way we have the last few weeks. Um, we're going to each pick all of our games. And so, Des, why don't you go ahead and introduce the games for us this week? So, this week, we're going to go, uh, we're picking, was it Course of America? Is the, is the race this week, I think? The Circuits of America, Circuits of the Americas? Yeah, the Circuits of the Americas. Uh, and we're, we're doing our No, we don't have a race this weekend. We're, is Easter this weekend? Hold on. I thought the Circuits of America this weekend. No, that's next weekend. Oh, shit. I thought that we didn't have a break until Easter weekend. Cup Series, we have... The 27th there at Texas Grand Prix. That's this week. Yeah. Is that Circuit of the Americas? I think so. 
Oh, yep. Track Circuit of the Americas. Oh. I thought that was next weekend for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I think next weekend. I think next weekend's the break, and then we have Bristol. All right. Well, Des, you were right. Go ahead and continue to introduce those. Yeah. yeah so there is, we got, we're choosing between Circuits of Americas. Uh, we're doing our final four selections, and then we're going to throw a little baseball at, at and the way we're going to do the baseball is just so we have any tiebreakers. Uh, and it's going to be Ole Miss versus Tennessee. Ole Miss is currently ranked number five. Tennessee is ranked, or Ole Miss is currently ranked number one, my bad. Uh, I think they're 15 of four, um, 16 of four, something like that. And then Tennessee is number five, and they're not. And it's a three game weekend series Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Yep. So, all right. Uh, so, I, I'm not going to matchup. Uh, but, you know, so the way we're doing tiebreakers, so let's say uh, Dante chooses Ole Miss to um, beat Tennessee 2-1. to one, And in all actuality, um, they sweep, and Josh picks them to sweep. Josh would get the point instead of Dante. Okay. So do we want to do you get a point for getting the series right, and then you also get a point for predicting the, um, yes, the series wins right? All yes. right, so you could potentially wind up with two points here. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pick my picks first. Circuit of the Americas, I have Ryan Blaney winning this weekend. It just feels right um, having him in that list. Um, I just, Blaney, I feel like he's going to pull something out this weekend, and he's going to win at the Circuit of the Americas. My final four prediction, I have, I need to look at who's all out here. Give me just a second to get that up. I'll cut all this dead space out. And my final four, I have Gonzaga, Purdue, um, Arizona, and Providence. So I'm going to go Gonzaga, Purdue, Arizona, and Providence in my final four. Um... And so that's my pick there. And then my Tennessee Ole Miss um, prediction is Tennessee sneaking this one out. I think they win it 2-1 with a big Sunday rubber match coming out. And I think that one's going to be a close one. It's going to come down to the all 27 outs. But I think Tennessee closes it out, gets the um, job done, and takes their rightful place at the number one seed this weekend. Josh, what do you have this weekend? All right, so I'm going with Chase Elliott in the race. Uh, he tends to be pretty good on road courses. For my final four, I'm going with Texas Tech, uh, St. Peter's, Houston, and uh, Iowa State. So a lot of upsets. Um and then I'm going with Ole Miss in a sweep because I'm still ticked off at Tennessee for losing to Michigan the other night. I had money on the game. All right. And, Des, who do you have this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go uh, for Circuits of America. Give, give me Kozlowski. I know it's going to piss people off. That's the reason I'm choosing them. No other reason to piss people off. Um, Final four, give me Texas Tech, UCLA, Nova, and Kansas. Uh, Nothing nothing fancy, but that's what what I got. And then I like the Vols in a sweep, man. They they lead the nation damn near everything, have the best record in the league. And they've got a closer who uh, broke the the record for fastest pitch uh, ever recorded in a college baseball game this week, and he hit 104 on the pitch. He averages like he, his fast falls, he consistently hits over uh, between 101 and 130. Yeah, and I so, think the Cubs are going to draft him with their early round pick this year. Yeah, yeah I, I saw Andrew McCutcheon tweeted out the other um, the other day after he broke the record. He said, "If a pitcher came up to me throwing 104, I think I might just have to switch to football." <laughs> I, I'm biased, but Ole Miss has played sloppy. Um, they they've not impressed me. The only thing that makes me worried about picking this is they, they're playing in Oxford, which is a hard place to play. But uh, I mean, the balls lead the nation in home runs, RBIs, uh, batting average, on base percentage, fielding percentage. 
Uh, I think they're like number three in ERA. They're just a well-rounded team. All right. Well, we want to thank you guys for tuning in for another week. We appreciate y'all. This has been incredible to watch the growth on this page. Um, Over the last 30 days, we have um, gone up 104% on our weekly views. Our views per week is up 104% over the last 30 days. Um, We have 15 downloads today since the episode released an hour, like just over two and a half hours ago now um we appreciate y'all um we appreciate everything you're doing to help this podcast grow it's been incredible to watch this grow as quickly as it has um we encourage you to keep watching and if you're enjoying what you're seeing you're enjoying what you're watching share it make it um put it out there tell your friends about us um and just continue to enjoy our content um again we appreciate you guys for joining us this week have a wonderful week we'll see y'all next week peace i'd uh i'd also like to add to that if you don't mind that if any of our listeners have an interest in joining the page they can reach out to any one of our pages about uh the application process to join us yeah if you have an interest in any of our any of our sports pages go ahead and reach out to us um we're always looking for new admins people who are um, dedicated to the brand and uh, interested in helping us grow consistently and quickly. Um, I even possibly get on the podcast through that too. Yeah, that, that's a good way to get yourself on the podcast too. Is getting on there and um, being active and dedicated, and you can get find yourself in a guest spot on our podcast. Um, so we just we thank y'all for um, continuing to be dedicated listener listeners, and we hope to see y'all back here next week. Peace. Peace.